Hey up guys and welcome to a two-part edition of Consistently Eccentric. Now this was originally just going to be a quick 40-odd minute episode on the Battle of Flodden Field, but it turns out that trying to explain why Scotland were invading England at the behest of the French while they themselves fought England on the continent over Italy, um, it, it, it took a little bit longer than I expected. And we found that we'd already had 45 minutes of material uh, setting the scene with the old alliance before we'd actually got round to mentioning King James at all. So what we decided to do was to release it as a two-part episode. In this first part, we will discuss the origins of the old alliance and the importance of Edward I, the Hammer of the Scots, to over 250 years of subsequent history. Enjoy! Hey up, I'm Joe Heathcote and this is Consistently Eccentric, a podcast where I will attempt to teach a friend of mine a lesson from British history, focusing specifically on the lesser known and less believable people and events that the history books tend to leave out. So let's get started with... So this story takes place mainly in the Tudor era, although to get to it we're going to have to do a bit of extra history. Boss. Yeah, and your three words to help you understand what we're talking about, England... France, Scotland. Mary, Queen of Scots. Ooh, it's a good, good guess, actually. Ah, the rough wooing. I have that down to be written um, for year two, though, so it's not that. Well, <clears throat> do you know what? If you, if you were going to go that way, you should have gone the full... Um, what's he called? The guy who used to host catchphrase. Oh, Roy Walker. It's good, Roy but Walker. it's not the one. It's good, but it's not right. <laughs> Lives in Lytham St. Anne's. As long as he's still alive. No, really? Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Emma's mum will occasionally see him, and because she recognises him, will yeah. sort of, in an overly familiar way, go, Hi! Oh, and no. as she's waving and saying hi, she'll realise... She doesn't actually know Yeah, she knows him from the TV. <laughs> and apparently he's always really nice about it. He probably gets a little thrill, given that his star is... Definitely faded. You know Not in I mean? my eyes. So, the people of England and Scotland have been fighting over exactly where the border between the two countries should be since at least the 6th century. 700 miles into France. <laughs> well, that's, that's where the appropriate place is. It's, it's particularly impressive, this, this amount of bickering, considering um, the 6th century was before either country formally existed. So yeah, even before there was a Scotland and an England we were fighting over where that border should lie. In the 7th century, the Battle of the Two Rivers saw the Northumbrians defeat the Picts, and this gave newly crowned king, Ecfrith, control of the majority of Scotland for 14 whole years. Which is pretty good. Well done, Ecfrith. (laughs) My frame of reference is so out there. Right now, that would be like, wow, you could raise a whole teenager. (laughs) Back then, that could have been, wow, that's like five generations. I just don't know. Well, when I say um, he had control of the majority of Scotland for 14 whole years, he had control of sort of like the southern part of Scotland and he assumed that the northern part of Scotland was kind of doing what he'd said. Um, It wasn't, but he'd he'd sort of claimed it and no one had challenged him until... Amazing. Because what they'd actually been doing during that time is they'd been raising an army... Um, and sort of training, yeah, getting everybody together, sort of joining all the clans under one king. This king that the uh, the northern clans picked had a much better name it's than Ecfrith. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
who sounds like sounds like somebody being sick and electrocuted at the same time. Well, the Scots they they rally behind King Bridie McBilly. No, fuck off, no. That's his name, Bridie McBilly. <laughs> Who have we crowned? Well, we have crowned King Stereotype McStereotype. <laughs> well, there's a reason it was a stereotype, and it was Bridie McBilly. He made the stereotype. <laughs> because he said, do you know what? We're taking Scotland back. Ekfrith, you've, you've never even been to Inverness. <laughs> you've not even tried to assimilate. You don't know the wonder of Kirkcaldy. <laughs> yeah, well, he didn't. Uh, now, basically, what Bridie McBilly did was he declared himself king and said to Ekfrith, what are you going to do about it? He didn't, he didn't sort of march down and challenge him. He said, well, I'm king up here now. Um, right. So Robert the Bruce like, wasn't so much a brave pioneer as following a story tradition. <laughs> well, it's, it was definitely... Um, a gambit that worked because King Ekfrith, he was like, right, well, I'm going to come up there and show you. <laughs> He'd been advised not to do this. <laughs> Don't invade the island. Yeah. But <laughs> he'd been advised not to do this by St. Cuthbert. Mm. And you think you'd listen to a saint. I mean, to be fair... He was, was he a saint at the, at the time? Or? No, because he was still alive. He was a bishop at the time, though. Mm. Oh, right, um, right. And his trusted advisor. And St. Cuthbert went... I, I, it, it feels... <laughs> a bit like a trap. I'm fairly sure God's not not with you on this <laughs> one. You've you've never been that far north in Scotland, have you, my liege? Um, do you know any of the terrain? There? everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm guessing Brady McBilly, he knows every rock, every mm. possible choke point. It sounds like St Cuthbert was quite the military man, <laughs> to be honest. Well, much more than King Ekfrith, uh, <laughs> because he, he ignored St Cuthbert. He decided he was going to attack, and he thought he'd had the perfect opportunity because a small band of Picts came south to challenge him to a battle. Right. And rather arrogantly, he thought this was the entire army. <laughs> so he met them in battle, and they ran away. And he started following them. Oh, no, oh come on. I literally he, heard this tactic. Like, ugh, and he, people, he followed them quite people. away because... Obviously, the Pictish force, they were very small and they could right. travel quite quickly, whereas he had to, you know, get his entire army baggage train moving and all the camp followers and everything. So he <laughs> plodded along after them into the mountains of Scotland oh my God. to a village called Dunnacan, which, for reference, is near Forfar. And then he got done again. Uh, yeah, at this point, and this was 143 miles or... <laughs> One week of forced marches from his capital in Scotland of Bamba. Uh, oh, so for God's sake. he's forced his army to march up hills, <laughs> up, up unknown terrain for 143 miles within yeah, a week. Been, it would have been fucking trackless as well, basically, wouldn't yeah. it? it? Wouldn't even have been heather at that point because, like, the clearances for sheep farming wouldn't have happened. Mm. I mean, they would, but not in like anywhere near the total devastation it would have been forests and shit wouldn't it to try and march an entire army it was pretty inhospitable terrain yeah so they waited well the Romans couldn't manage it could they the Romans were smart enough to stop and just go nope <laughs> you know what do we even want this <laughs> here is the end of civilization, for we have decreed it That's there's the... gold in Wales fuck this place but yeah he waited until he was a week away from his capital until his men were absolutely knackered and like you said probably ravaged by midges <sighs> against which the english skin has no known defense 
Uh, and King Bridemit Billy decided to do the very ungentlemanly thing and he sprung an ambush. He probably waited until the maximum amount of them were on the toilet as well. <laughs> well, you know. Every advantage is an advantage. Yeah. And he managed to kill King Ekfrith along with most of his very tired soldiers. And that, that was the end of the Northumbrian sort of ownership of Scotland. I'm surprised Scotland didn't go and try and claim Northumbria off the back of that one. <laughs> These guys are idiots. Let's, let's give it a go. No, no, Bridey, he, he knew what he wanted, and he wanted Scotland. He didn't want any of that soft southern shite. It wasn't mm. a case where he promised his soldiers that they would invade. Yeah, he no promised glorious get, conquest yeah. here. We're just, we're just we're taking back our homes. We're calling it quits. We're going to kill a few of them so they don't come back. Jobs are good. Mm. And, and the border kind of held more or less for quite a while because there wasn't another big round of fighting until post 1066 <clears throat> that was during the anarchy oh the sh- yeah we've, we've covered this like yeah. the king of scotland just got involved and like turned it into his personal raiding area yeah he he's he sided with his niece hmm. uh, matilda and while they were busy fighting over kent he went well it seems like all of cumbria's pretty poorly defended i'll have that <laughs> So, yeah, we, we we discussed it at the time, because that's one of our episodes, isn't it? Mm. And I'm pretty sure we came to the conclusion that the King of Scotland was the canniest political operator of all. He had somewhere that he could send all of his bloodthirsty vassals. He could just be like, well, fuck off and raid Northern England for a bit. And mm. then they'd come back rich and sated and, like, settle down. And no one would ever end up challenging him for the throne because he was, like, playing them all off. Like, so they all, you know what I mean? Oh, David, he was he was living his life. <laughs> he was enjoying himself. I don't think I don't think a Scottish king ever had it as good as David did. <laughs> just based on the English infighting, it was just like this is the best time to be Scottish. Mm, but by the late thirteenth century, things had settled down again and yeah. there hadn't been a major battle to speak of over where the border should be for a hundred years. Which is amazing. Mm. But it's not gonna last. Edward the First is where we're heading here, I know I can feel that one. In 1274, the new English king, yeah. Edward the First. <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. I, I, you know, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to like jump on your revelation or anything. But he is literally called the Hammer of the Scots. No, of course we wouldn't get to Edward the First. It's, it's a fair assumption to think that at some point I'm going to be mentioning Edwards because there's more than one who like to have a go at the Scots. Let's be fair. Yeah. But I, I think Edward the First, like on, on a slight side note, he's he's got to be. Like, I know Richard the Lionheart gets all of his big ups because of all the crusading and introducing the crossbow, which sort of fucked us over because our previous specialty was the longbow. Mm. So thanks, Richard. But um, Edward I is our most, like... I don't think royalty is a valid form of government, but, like, if you're going to follow one man because he's big and hard and good at war, like, Edward is the most legitimate king we've had Possibly ever, mm. possibly since William the Conqueror. It depends on how you view their achievements, but I think Edward's probably the best. Well, it's hard to argue because, um, yeah, in 1274, he got back from fighting his crusades in the Holy Land. Mm. And he, yeah, he did love fighting because as soon as he got to Britain, he came up with a pretext for a fight with the Welsh. <laughs> he demanded that the Welsh King Llewellyn come to England to pay homage, as you do. Uh, and Llewellyn, being a king in his own right, declined. Wasn't he a prince? Didn't didn't they? Did, what wasn't one of the reasons of the pretext that like technically Wales didn't have a king because um, it was all a system of like internal political. No, no, stuff. no. He was definitely a king, but Edward he was basically trying to question the legitimacy of that because he was also 
as he was demanding Llewellyn come and pay him homage, entertaining uh, Llewellyn's younger brother, David, at the time, uh, who had recently tried to assassinate Llewellyn. So what he'd done is he basically said, "I'm look, look, I'm openly harbouring your younger brother slash would-be assassin, and I'm demanding that you come here and pay me homage. He's basically saying, come and fight me, come and fight me, come and fight me. Well, I think the implied threat was either you come and also bow the knee to me, otherwise I'm going to put this guy where you are. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but he's he's essentially forcing the conflict, isn't he? Because he's like, either you pay homage, which means you can't be a king anymore, Mm. you get killed, or your third option is fight me. You you can't just ignore it Mm. because that's not how, you know... Yeah, you can't... Well, you definitely can't ignore Edward because... um, yeah, Llewellyn did. Face with sword. <laughs> well, Llewellyn did try to just ignore him, and Edward took that as a bit of a slight, and yeah. declared war in twelve seventy six. Right. So I was correct. He was yeah. just looking for a pretext for fighting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was. I think what he'd hoped was he wouldn't have to fight, and he would be ipso facto king of Wales as well. I don't think he hoped he didn't have to fight. I think he got like he was fairly successful on his crusades, wasn't he? Yeah. But like he he did. I don't think he like personally won any kingdoms, but he was like part of the armies that set up the initial Crusader kingdoms, like Tyr and um, Acre. But he was like involved in setting all of that up and like you know victorious, wasn't he? He wasn't like a shit Crusader. Oh no, he was. He was definitely when he took the cross, he he fought hard for the faith. Yeah, but like yeah. So what I'm saying is, he came back with a massive taste for blood, and he was like, right, either land or murder, and I'm hoping murder because I really like murder. Because my evidence is the rest of his life was him spent pursuing murder. Mm. Well, yes, in a way. <laughs> I mean, basically, he he declared war. In 1276, um, and Llewellyn was very much unprepared for this and had to mm. concede most of his territory. Mm-hmm. Um, but Edward sort of stopped at that point for some reason. I'm guessing because he wanted a breather because he then declared war again in 1282. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm th- I'd like. I don't mean to take, like, try and take over your job and tell the story because I don't have notes in front of me. I'm not sure this is 100 percent accurate, but I am very interested in Edward the First mm-hmm. and. I'm sure one of the reasons is, like, he was playing this canny political game where the marcher barons, as in the people who run what we would now call the southwest of England, like, they were quite powerful and they were extending their power because they were the people who were mopping up all the territory as vassals under Edward Hmm. in Wales. So he had to give them some and then, like, make sure they didn't get too much so that they could start challenging. It was like... You know, he had to, like, do bits and then, then, like, build up his own power base again to make sure he was still well, on top and stuff like that. He was also, he was playing a very, um... Well, he was trying to play it so that the Welsh themselves, that the main body of the Welsh people didn't um, sort of support Llewellyn by saying, mm. you know, this guy's a despot mm. and I'm going to put his brother on the throne yeah. because his brother is uh, would make a better leader, would bring you prosperity... Um, you know, look at how successful. <laughs> yeah, look at how successful I am. Me and him would work in concert, uh, and it would bring prosperity to everyone. Um, so he he stopped the war after Llewellyn conceded a lot of land, and I'm assuming it was yeah, like you say, partly to placate the marcher barons, but also just to give the Welsh an idea of look, look, we're we're sort of ruling this bit, and look how yeah. good it's going for them. But the problem was um, that David, at this point realized he's probably being used a little bit and that it didn't look like he was going to be put on the throne of wales and if he was it would be a much smaller wales than he'd originally thought he was going to be made king of so he decided that 
what he'd do is he'd switch allegiances, he'd go and he'd apologise to his brother for trying to assassinate him. I imagine a very awkward conversation. But between the two of them... (laughs) Sorry. You know, it's like the Welsh loyalties were divided between the two of them, so if they reasoned, if they came together, so would the Welsh, and then they could mount a, you know, a meaningful counter-attack or defence, whatever, you know, whatever they had the the men for. Anglesey is pretty much all they had left, probably. (laughs) Well, either way, David and Llewellyn were reunited and then quickly killed. Did it? Did, I was just about to say, it did it feel so good? But obviously not. So. No, no, it felt very stabby. Um, <laughs> a lot of that going around, Edward the First. He was a stabby kind of guy. Because what really happened was David defected. Edward didn't have his fig leaf for the invasion that he was doing to say, "Oh, I'm going to put this guy." So he just went, "Oh, fuck it." <laughs> let's finish this I have nothing left to lose <laughs> Any, well to lose I have I just have everything to gain now I don't have to play this game anymore let's do it uh, yeah and Edward instituted English laws across Wales and he created whole new towns where mm. only English people were allowed to live mm. uh, he also built lots of castles as a warning to the native people that they needed to shut up about things like their own culture and history <laughs> because <laughs> that didn't exist anymore yeah. you were Edward's people now <laughs> we're and, all English and don't you dare go to Landudno because that is not for you <laughs> it's an English town for English people I mean he got like it was wrong and it was you know I don't know what the right phrase is cultural erasure I think um, pretty much it was, yeah. it, was, it was bullshit and all the rest of it I'm not glorifying it at all make that very clear but he got shit done like, in his own lifetime, which was quite long as far as people of the time go. It was, Even yeah. as far as kings go. But, like, even before he was off camp, like, you know, seriously campaigning elsewhere, he had, like, the basics of massive castles and walls set down. And within his own lifetime, they were completed. Mm. It's basically unheard of. Well, he, like, he was a sea change in the way the British Isles were. Because this, we're, we're talking about Wales, this is just, like, the preamble, what yeah, he did yeah. to the Welsh. It was it was the warm-up act, basically. Which isn't, again, to disparage the Welsh, it's just that in terms of population um, and in terms of just geography, they were smaller and, you know... Slightly easier to control. Yeah, in, and also, you know, you know is we've had a lot more interaction with the Welsh at this point in terms of... It, trade and yeah, general... It was a, it yeah, it was a much more known entity than the Scots were at this point. Yeah, I can see that. I bet no, like, almost no English people had ever been, like, to the Highlands. Oh, God, no. There be monsters. God, imagine if they'd found out Orkney existed. <laughs> well, that, no, that's that's literally, you know, like when you see uh, the way that the Vikings drew the world and the Romans drew the world, it's like, yeah, you get to the top of England and then, oh my God. <laughs> Who knows? S- stay away from those people. They're fucking crazy. <laughs> if they want to trade, do so, but hand on your sword. <laughs> give give them that amber and, and, the, and all that shit that they care about that we don't really like. Just, just make sure they leave before they start drinking. <laughs> They were they terrified the biggest empire in the world, you know, at that time that the world had ever seen. So the Scots had seen what had happened to the Welsh. <laughs> it makes it amazing that when the Scottish themselves faced a constitutional crisis over who should rule, because King Alexander III's three sons, having all right. died within three years before Alexander himself also died, <laughs> the, it had thrown the, um, the succession into a bit of a loop. Because, you know, I mean, Alexander had done all he could. It was heir, spare, and second spare. He, he'd done his kingly duty. Yep, fair. 
but he still outlived all three of his sons. Was he a particularly old man, or were they just particularly unlucky? They were particularly unlucky kids, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but Scotland. So the, the the kings died. He's left no heirs, and mm. they're thinking, "God, we've got to get this sorted out. We don't mm. want to, you know, disintegrate into warring clans again. That'd be be terrible." Yeah. How can we get this sorted? And someone, someone, thought it'd be a good idea to ask Edward if he wouldn't mind being the arbiter of this decision. Oh, my God. The friendly cousins to the South <laughs> who would have no ulterior motive but to make sure a fair decision was reached. I don't... I, did, haven't they just got done conquering a smaller neighbour? No, I haven't heard that. <laughs> Where have you heard that? They so were invited fine. in. Cake was served. <laughs> I feel like there's some enterprising border lord on the, on the back end of that one somewhere down in history. <laughs> The Scots said they want you to go up and sort it out. Oh, did they? Okay. <laughs> well, as I've been invited. Uh, predictably, Edward took this as an opportunity to try and gain control over Scotland as well. How did he manage to just say, I arbitrate, it's, it's me? <laughs> can, can I do that? Can I give it to myself? <laughs> no, he, he wasn't quite that bold. What he did was he picked a bloke called John Balliol as the new king in 1292. Um, any relation to the royal family, any connection. <laughs> he was just a very weak man. Uh, basically, he, he looked at the field and went, which one is walking with a limp and has a, a, a sort of terrified air about him and a stutter and went, went that's my man. <laughs> he went and found um, Hans Molman from The Simpsons. Mm. <laughs> that's not a bad way of thinking about it. He, he looked down this line of strapping Scotsman and went, all, all willing to unite the flower of Scotland together into one army and defend its defend its honour. Yeah, and he went, no, I want that guy over there quietly wetting himself. <laughs> I'm not even sure he's aware of the fact that he's wetting himself, but he's my guy. Um, <laughs> Furiously terrible therapist <laughs> <laughs> so he he picked him as king and then forced him to come to london to answer before parliament over a land dispute oh my god i bet the scots fucking loved that yeah, one. <laughs> well it was a power play it's basically you're the king of scotland but you you've got to, to the you've got to, yeah you've got to come to london to answer a, a land dispute yeah, like not... a common lord yeah, and it's not not even like um, just bowing before the English king at that point, is it? Because it'd be basically bowing before the English lords as well. Yeah. When you bow before the authority of Parliament, you bow before the whole English state, not just the king. Yeah, it's like you're you're no better than a baron now. Yeah. That's that's where you are, at. and mm. you're the best of the Scots now, according to Edward. So yeah, it really was. Did he was, do it? Um, oh yeah, he went because oh like I say, he was fear pissing all the way down there. You could. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I don't know what happened, but I'm very confident that he's going to get murdered by a Scotsman. <laughs> well, you'd think, wouldn't you? But let's yeah. see. The next thing he did, mm. Edward, to try and show who was really boss, is he demanded that the Scots provide soldiers for his next war. Uh, oh. This time it was a war with France. And King oh. Balliol, he decided that if he, if he agreed to this, he mm. would be murdered by his fellow Scotsmen. <laughs> Uh, and At least he wasn't totally stupid, even if he was terrified. Yeah, well, no, I think it was a case of self-preservation. They'd watched him go down to Parliament. I imagine the reception he got when he came back. <laughs> hey, Balliol, we're going to murder you. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it wasn't even raucous or angry. It was just, no, that's it. Too far. We're yeah. going to kill you. <laughs> but again, you know, he was not the most confident king, so he didn't just say no 
to Edward and leave it at that. He said no to Edward and decided he needed some some muscle to back him up. So naturally, considering who Edward was at war with, he decided to seek an alliance with France. Oh my God, is that the door? This is the first alliance? This is the first time? The old alliance oh, was signed wow. in October 1295. And it's, it's probably called the new alliance at the time. Yeah, well, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just called the alliance. Um, the Rebel Alliance. <laughs> it works because Edward I was basically Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen he was building this massive round siege tower. They just had a single cannon. They're all asking him about it. What are you doing that for me? I don't know. It just calls to me. <laughs> Why are you wearing that bucket? Fuck off. <laughs> Black's effortlessly cool. Yeah, so... <laughs> The the old alliance, it stated that an attack on either France or Scotland would be tantamount to declaring war on both countries. Oh, wow, I bet Edward was just fucked up with that one. <laughs> I mean, in practice, especially at first, it just meant that the French had to continue fighting the war with Edward over control of Gascony, that they were fighting anyway. Yeah. And it, they didn't actually agree at that point to provide any financial or military aid to Scotland, basically saying... We're already diverting some... English troops, yeah, 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 yeah. Some resources just by continuing a war for our own benefit. Uh, Scotland, however, mm. were now duty-bound to declare war on England. Oh, so he... Oh, man, so he, he caught he, that one. Yeah, he signed an, a, an alliance that basically made him force the issue with England. Oh, so he turned himself into a distraction for France. What an idiot. That's what he did. Uh, and he did this via, because, you know, England versus Scotland, where do yeah. you start that war? Wembley. <laughs> <laughs> Every damn time. Well, before Wembley was built, you'd start it at Carlisle Castle, because <laughs> okay, that sorry. is the most besieged castle in the British Isles. Because it changed hands between the English and the Scots so much they had separate doors. <laughs> we've got over this whole besieging thing you just come in through that door <laughs> that's not true but it bloody well should be because we'll leave through that door we'll, we'll swap again next month yeah. <laughs> uh, it was unfortunate that they had failed to take a defensible position like Carlisle Castle because hmm. Edward found a gap in his fighting schedule in spring 1296 to launch an invasion of Scotland uh, because you know the French with the French English like, wars always have breathers built in for a few yeah, years. Say, he's, like, he's like the he's like a football manager at this point. <laughs> well, we're gearing up for the next campaign season in France in about June, but we've got time for a pre-season tour. <laughs> well, it's just a case of the English and the French have, we're so used to being at war with each other that yeah. we we build in time to recover so that we can war properly. That's why the Hundred Years' War took 116 years or whatever, because yeah. there were built-in pauses. Yeah. Referees come on and go, OK, pause, score tied, score fixed it, whatever. <laughs> Everybody go home and repopulate for 20 years. We'll meet here again. <laughs> and this time we'll really sort it out. God damn it. So, yeah, during a, a natural pause in the fight over Gascony, Edward was like, well, I've got to keep myself match sharp. I'm going to Scotland. I've got some young lads that need uh, bedding in. Now, this is the moment, you know, he, he he's made his alliance, that hasn't worked. Mm -hmm. He's got to do something as John. Yeah. I, I mean, either give the crown to someone else or, like, at least try. He's going to die. He's backed himself right into a corner. He's He's at war with the English. Yeah. Either the English are going to kill him 
or the Scots are going to kill him for not being willing to fight the war against the English. Oh. So he's got nowhere to go. He was willing. He was oh, willing good. to fight. But it turned out he was an awful military leader. Oh, you do surprise me. <laughs> and the entire campaign only lasted a few months. Oh, dear. In a country where the English had no idea where they were going, yeah. no idea of the terrain, everyone fucking hated them and wouldn't help them. Yeah. It got so bad, and it was such a one-sided war, that mm. when the English reached Stirling Castle, yeah. a big defensible castle that could yeah. hold out Presumably, if well provisioned for months, they didn't find any defenders whatsoever. Everyone legged it. What they did find was a janitor who had been told to hand them the keys when they got there. No. Seriously. Jesus. They left one presumably Thanks. incredibly disillusioned Scotsman. Yeah, either that or the bravest man in the whole second army. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're defending it with one man. No, no, no. Like, not, even if he was told specifically, don't fight them, just give them the keys. Like, you know. Yeah, that is a, a terrifying situation. A, a, Edwards, like, you're one man waiting for an army to turn up, headed by a guy who's like, you know what he really likes? Murder and conquering. <laughs> when, he get, when he turns up and finds out there's no one to murder and he's technically conquered without having a murder, maybe he'll just murder you. Yeah, what are you going to do about it? Out of frustration and not yeah. having a battle to fight. Yeah, but, like, you know, I, I 100% believe that Edward I was that guy. Like, I, I I believe that in his life he probably killed people out of frustration at something oh. else happening. Well, they finally caught John. Yeah. Um, probably Hiding like a bitch somewhere. Yeah, I, I'm assuming he went full Saddam Hussein and was dragged out of a hole somewhere. Um, and Edward, Edward is a martial man. He is a man raised by the sword, and he looked down at this pathetic excuse for a leader. He was so disgusted, he couldn't even give the order to have this guy executed. He was so pathetic. Right. Instead, he had the Royal Arms of Scotland ripped from his coat. Fair enough. Which earned John the uh, nickname Tomb Tabard, which means empty coat. Uh, <laughs> and then sent him to France and told him to stay there. So if you like, <laughs> if you like the French so much, you're going to sign an alliance with them. You go to France. Oh, my you, God. You piss off to France and you don't come back. Not even worth killing. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I know that, like, now that's just, like, some sort of standard villain play mm. or, like, you know, like, arrogance or whatever. But, like, back then, that would have been a massive, massive statement. Yeah. I'm, I don't even need to kill your leader or imprison him. I'm going to set him free because he is so pathetic. Yeah, yeah. You, you have so little hope of rising against me or ever defeating me that I can let your top commander go. It, it's irrelevant. Well, That's it turns nice. out he wasn't the top commander because a few years later, there was a guy, you may have heard of him, called Robert de Bruce. Yeah. And he took up the cause in 1306. Though he had a bit of a false start and this did lead to his sister Mary being kept in a cage... <laughs> exposed to the elements for four years. Jesus. Did she live? Uh, she did. She was oh, released wow. from captivity following the Battle of Bannockburn in 1314. Yeah, I mean, Robert the Bruce, he didn't cheat because it's just the way of the world, but he was lucky in that he got going. Like He was around at a time when Edward I was already old. Mm. Like, if, if, like, he would have got the shit kicked out of him if, if he'd been like, you know... If it had been 15 to 20 years earlier and Edward had been a, a hale man. Like, well, he just needed to be in charge. He the knew thing what he about was doing. Edward I was, such was his legacy 
that it it wasn't even Edward the Second who finally admitted that Robert had won. It took fourteen years, and yeah. it was Edward the Third who finally <laughs> admitted that Robert was a legitimate king. Yeah. That's yeah, that's how long it took for Edward the First sort of just sheer malice towards every other leader in Britain could yeah. be erased. Well, I, it's, I wouldn't call it malice. I'd call it. Did, when did Edward the Third do it? Did he do it like immediately or? Oh no! It took um, three or four years. Okay, that that is a bit silly, but like it's completely understandable that Edward the Second wouldn't do it because he was terrible because he had like two shit awful campaigns and kept appointing idiots to run it because he because he was like in love with them and stuff you know what i'm saying yeah yeah no no we know about bannockburn yeah that was a we're just going to go and win a nice quick war and then you'll all accept my friend yeah like no one even i bet the english didn't even want to be there no one liked edward the second no no i I doubt anyone liked edward the first but you don't need to like a man who's like incredibly successful (laughs) you know it's like you want to murder you yeah you respect that man yeah you don't have to like someone who's like Stab and I will reward you, or you will be stabbed. Like, I, I don't need to respect you. I'm just going to go and do the stabbing that you want me to do. Mm. And uh, the PTSD I will take out on my family, as, as is, is the way, yeah. <laughs> the British way. Um, so, even though Edward the Third had admitted that Robert was a king, he didn't. He got the feeling he couldn't trust the English, especially <laughs> not English kings called Edward. Mm, fair enough. <laughs> So he decided to be on the safe side. He would renegotiate the old alliance with France in 1326. <laughs> and hopefully move it away from the sort of, and Scotland can be used to draw troops away from France <laughs> because we are always at war with the English. Therefore, we have nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah. Well, it proved to be an astute move as almost immediately following his death, this is Robert the Bruce's, Robert the Bruce's death, death yeah. Edward III decided to try and invade again. He's like, yeah, we've got to admit that guy is king of Scotland because we can't beat him. Oh, he's gone. Hmm. Well, let's give this a crack. Yeah. Well, Granddad would have wanted me to do it this way. <laughs> you know, what's the harm in having a go? Uh, this time, though, France, they, to be fair to them, they provided some financial assistance and they even planned to send some actual soldiers. Though they never actually got around to sending them. Enlightened self-interest on that one. If Scotland's like tying up and murdering English soldiers, is less to go for the next round of the old war. Well, you know they they promised some soldiers, but then yeah, but actually, uh... even, like even even financial support would have been like it doesn't matter. Every soldier that England loses fighting Scotland is a French gain, isn't it? So... Well, what the French did actually, rather than send soldiers to Scotland to help the Scottish. They sent some privateer vessels uh, to attack some royal ships off the Isle of Wight and make a tidy profit. So that helped the Scots, probably. Uh, Not. (laughs) I can make the argument, like you know, if if you want to make the joined-up economy argument, which I don't know how relevant that would have been in the third fourteen hundreds. Sorry, you could say that the English crown was therefore spending money rebuilding its navy rather than funding its army. Oh no no no! Um, when I say it, these were um, merchant ships, these were this wasn't the Royal Navy as was, or you know, the... even so, it's lost revenue. Oh, it's it's but lost take revenue. Your point. Take your point. It's it's essentially meaningless. I get, I, I do get the point. It's... I'm just being bloody mad. Uh, oh good, Sorry. the Scots are a distraction again. Quick to the Isle of Wight, <laughs> the opposite end of the country to where we promised we'd send aid. <laughs> let's do bitch. that. It's, it's more of a bitch slap, really, isn't it? Because like, let's be honest, almost. In fact, all of the Hundred Years' War mm. and all the other wars that England fought against France were fought on France. 
Mm. They never successfully got over here. That's that's true enough. We're, we're going to get to the Hundred Years' War because eventually the war with Scotland petered out with a truce in 1357 as the Scots proved to be enough of a nuisance that any time Edward tried to focus on anything else, uh, they would rise up again. And <laughs> it was a case of he couldn't look at um, Aquitaine, he couldn't look at Gascony, he couldn't look at Normandy, he couldn't do anything. Those canny buggers, Because as soon as he sent an army across the channel, it was like, right! Come on, lads. Gone, let's have it. <laughs> yeah. And then he'd have to recall his army and they'd have to march up there and they'd have a battle and it wouldn't really solve anything. And then, you know, <laughs> they go, right, are we sorted? Okay. Have we got Carlisle again? Yeah, great. Okay. We're just, just a summer. We're just going to do the summer-autumn campaign season, okay? Can you hold it? No, we'll no, look at me because I asked you this last year, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. I asked you last year and you said yes. And what happened? I lost it, Edward. You lost it, didn't you? <laughs> and we had to come back. For God's so, sake. It's not fair. <laughs> Why can't I be in one of the Welsh castles? <laughs> they were good castles. <laughs> These were built by your father, the shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but then everything got overtaken by the Hundred Years' War. Hmm. You know, this was England versus France for all the marbles. Or not, as it gets. Yeah, as it turned out. But at the time, it was this is this is it. Yeah. We're going to sort out for once and for all which of these two countries is going to rule Europe because it was always going to be England or France. Um, yeah. And during and then the- Germany just sort of went nope. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, <laughs> as again. <laughs> We've got our shit together. Be scared. <laughs> uh, but yeah, during the Hundred Years' War, the Scottish. Despite not having troops sent to them hmm. when they needed them, they dutifully answered the call of their ally, Charles VII of France, hmm. and they sent approximately 15,000 soldiers with claymores wow. to help wow. out. That is a, a massive amount for Scotland to send. That's a massive amount for medieval armies. That's hmm. huge. Um, well, it was a massive amount because they won an important victory at the Battle of Bourges in 1421. During which time they managed to kill Henry V's brother. Oh. So not only did they turn the tide of the battle, they claimed the biggest scalp. Jesus. And the French. And Henry, Henry V at that point was kicking the shit out of the French, mm. wasn't he? And the, the French, yeah, oh yeah. The French thought, though, God, we got these guys. Yeah. We're never. So long as we, you know, so long as we fight with these guys and we support them, we've basically got a Terminator. So they made them their like front line specialists. Oh yes, they basically. did. <laughs> and they marched proudly alongside the Scots at the Battle of Cravant. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the French retreated, leaving the Scots to fight the English alone. <laughs> and we have had enough. We are sure you can handle it from here. <laughs> resulting in massive Scottish casualties. <laughs> then at the Battle of Vernwheel, the French also retreated, leaving the Scots to fight the English alone, resulting in heavy. Scottish casualties. What was their plan? <laughs> I think I think it was um, Operation Scottish Shield. So the, the Scots no, would march in at the front. Get behind of, the gingers. Yeah, <laughs> the Scots would march in at the front of the army, and if the tide started to turn, they would give the French enough time to retreat, saving most of their army. And I'm assuming the Scots would make a valiant stand and take out quite a few of the English. So from the French point of view, it was a win-win. They've not lost any of their army, but the the English English have had... uh, Yeah. yeah. Um, So the Scots, they they got wise to this and they 
thought, all right, you know, we're not just going to march in behind any leader now. Yeah. We need a leader we can trust, a leader with military acumen or failing... So dug up the corpse of Edward I and asked him what to say. <laughs> uh, Or failing a, 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 a leader who had military acumen and knew what they were doing, yeah. a leader ordained by God. And they right. found that leader in Joan of Arc. Oh, fair enough. Because the Scottish forces fought alongside her at the Battle of Orleans to the point where as she was marching through the city gates, it was the sound of a bagpipe that accompanied her. Mad. Isn't it just? That's mad. That's like the most French thing in the world. It wasn't. It was a Scottish knees up. No, no, you're, you're absolutely right. But like, 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 in terms of like history and culture, like the Maid of Orléans is like that's the most French thing that's ever Frenched, isn't it? Yeah, but she was, you know, the people who were front and center supporting Joan, Scotland, Scotland, and mad. they they deserve that win. Yeah, after no, after what enough. happened you to them in the last yeah. two battles, they they agreed to yeah. fight it. They earned they they earned that, and she earned every victory along the way. I don't, I don't know what happened. Did Henry did Henry V die at this point, or did he just turn shit? This this was the point at which um, the longbow was being usurped by the cannon, and right. whereas we so had the monopoly, yeah. yeah, we had the monopoly on the on the longbow. The French had the monopoly on the cannon. So oh. this was part of the. This was sort of like in the middle in bit where it bloody, was could have gone either way. Casting techniques. The fact of the matter was, as as you know, that was it was considered such a turning point yeah. that the Guard Écossais, or the Scots Guard, yeah. would become one of France's most elite fighting units. In fact, they provided the um, bodyguard for the king. Wow. Mm. I suppose they earned that as well. Oh, God, did, yeah. they, did they have to be from Scotland as well? Is they were like all Scottish. So for, for, I think it was a couple of hundred years... It, the the French king, his life was in the hands of Scotsmen. Such was the the amount of respect that the French had developed for the Scottish, just based on the sheer heroism on the battlefield, yeah. fighting the English. Because God damn it! Well, there's this if there's one thing the Scotsmen love to fight. <laughs> well, there, there's actually I will go anywhere <laughs> that we are going to do an entire episode at some point on the Scots Guards of France. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's for another is that, time. Is, like, related question: Is that why the English monarch, the British monarch now, mm. has like one of the regiments is the Scots Guard? Is it like nicked from France? No, I don't. Oh. I don't believe it is. I I think that's that came after the um, the act legally, of union. yeah, the Act of Union. I think it was one of those things. Right. Well, we're we're also going to give you know you military standing by making your own units, so you feel like you can still have an identity. I think. Right. But we'll get into it when I do the Scots Guards episode. Okay. Um, the point, though, that I'm trying to make is that the old alliance generally seemed to favour France. Yeah, that's very true, isn't it? <laughs> Scotland's not got a lot out of this one. So that's where we're going to leave off this week, and next week we'll actually get to the battle. Bye for now. <laughs>